Hey friend, have you ever had a promise made to you and then broken? That is such a sickening feeling, especially, especially, now there are times that you expect the promise to be broken, like you just don't trust the individual or the situation, but there are other times when you thought that was as good as money in the bank. You were counting chickens before they were hatched. You were sure that the promise would be kept. Not just talking about individual to individual. Sometimes corporations these days, they got stuff in the fine print and it seems like they're breaking promises. Or sometimes there's issues of life that come up and unintended consequences are that promises get broken. We do the best we can sometimes. I know you've had promises broken to you, but it's likely, if you're anything like me, that there are times that even with all that we can do, the best we can do, we can't keep every promise. There used to be a time, used to be a time when a man's word was his bond. Remember that? We call it the good old days, don't we? Well, I'm going to ask you, would you grab your Bibles and go to the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 9? I'm Mike McCurry. This is Bible Tract Echoes. And as you may have gathered, we're going to be talking about promises because that very concept is the first answer. There's multiple answers, but the very first answer to a question we began yesterday. We introduced a man named Mephibosheth. Of course, we all know King David, David and Goliath, and David and Bathsheba, and David the king, and David the one who prepared for the temple. Well, before Bathsheba, but after David became king, sometime in that interim, he's already conquered so much of what he's going to conquer. Of course, known a little bit as a bloody king, a man of war, but he was a man after God's own heart. And in that interim, he remembers... The first answer to a question we broached yesterday, how is it? Why is it that a cripple, as the Bible calls him, like Mephibosheth, could sit at the king's table? And in asking and answering that question, I think we're also going to dive into how and why you and I get to sit at the king's table. Would you look at 2 Samuel chapter number 9? I want to make sure we wrap our minds around the context here. And David said, 2 Samuel 9, 1, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And that is so very key. He then has a little discourse, a discussion with a servant who he learns is Mephibosheth's servant. And what happens is David figures out where Mephibosheth is at. And he sends for him. Verse number six. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. But get this, the son of Saul. We're going to talk about, we're going to begin to dive into the first answer to the question. How is it, why is it that Mephibosheth could be promised? Verse number seven, thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. That's the king making a promise. Why did Mephibosheth get to sit at the king's table? Because of the king's promise. But it's not just a promise found in 2 Samuel chapter number nine. Grab your Bibles, go to 1 Samuel 20. We're giving a little context here. I know we're jumping right in. Go to 1 Samuel 20, but while we do that, I want to ask you this question. Is this unusual for a king, a new king from a new lineage, a new line, a new dynasty? Is it unusual for a king from a new dynasty to treat the previous lineage of the king kindly? 
oh yes, any student of history would know, this is highly unusual, this is very rare. What is the usual action? What is the normal SOP, standard operating procedure, for a king and how they will treat the previous king's descendants when they, the new king, comes to the throne? What do they do normally? Oh, yes, they execute them. They, at minimum, likely banish them, imprison them. They don't want, the new king doesn't want any quote-unquote pretender to the throne. Now it is their divine right to lead, and they want to make sure the previous king, who supposedly had a divine right, makes sure none of his children try to exercise their heritage. That they don't try to lay claim to what is no longer theirs. And so for David, I want you to think about this. For David to be kind to Mephibosheth, that is highly unusual. But there's a reason. First Samuel chapter number 20, we find a time where David and Jonathan, they make a covenant with each other. We could look at uh, verse number well, for time's sake, look at verse number 16. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And you could back up just a little bit further to verse number 13, 14, 15, right in there. But also, verse 15, Thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. And this back and forth between them, Jonathan is kind to David, David is kind to Jonathan, and they make a compact, a covenant contract, if you will, a covenant just of words. Remember back in the day when you didn't have to sign 37 times and leave 74 signatures on a piece of paper before you could drive away with a new car? That must have been eons ago, I realize, but used to be that a man's word was his bond. If I say I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back. These days it's a little different, isn't it? You gotta have yourself covered by the law and by con all these types of things, but in this time I don't see that. I see David just making a decision of his own free will that is acted upon in 2 Samuel chapter number 9. But I noticed some things about David's promises. We're answering the question, why is it, how is it that Mephibosheth could sit at the king's table? I see that David, though just a man, he kept his promises. His promises were kept. There was security in the king's promise. He kept his promise to Jonathan to the point that it passed on to his son, who, yes, was a cripple, but David still kept his promises. David, his promises didn't have caveats. You know what a caveat is? An addendum, a little bit of an asterisk, a little bit of a let me get out of this if it's to my betterment, in my best interest. David did not have that. He did not. See, I want you to think about this for a moment. Right? Could you put this in your mind's eye? You realize that Mephibosheth didn't have a sparkly brand new wheelchair to wheel himself into the king's throne room. I, I don't want to take too many liberties, but just by way of an anecdote, I, I remember my grandmother-in-law. I've talked about her on the broadcast before. 
my girls called her Gigi. She passed away, not but, I say a few months ago, it's been longer than that now. We love Gigi, and we're glad she's with Jesus now, but I remember how she would get around. I don't know if they call them if a brand name is Jazzy Scooter or whatever it is. One of those little electric chairs, you know, a little joystick that she could move it around. And the kids and her would sometimes get into trouble. They'd get up in her lap and they'd move the joystick around some. And uh, lots of fun until someone gets run over. But nah, Gigi had so much fun with the kids. And But I think about the fact that Mephibosheth didn't have a little Jazzy Scooter, a little Jazzy chair. He probably didn't have a... New wheelchair, maybe, maybe a rudimentary one that they crafted out of wood or something, possibly. It also could have been that he struggled in without the use of his legs on balancing himself on rude crutches. It's not likely that Mephibosheth was well off. It could have even been. It could have. I don't know for a fact, but it could have even been that he drug himself in to the king's throne room for the initial meeting on his hands and on his elbows, with his legs splayed out behind him. Now, I don't know, but regardless, it was obvious that Mephibosheth was not physically whole. And aren't you glad that David didn't say, Oh, when I made a promise to Jonathan... And I said I would take care of him and his family and, and, and his children. Uh, I didn't mean this situation. I didn't mean someone with a physical disability. I didn't. No. David kept his promises. His promises didn't have caveats. And his promises, he had kind promises. I want you to think about that. You realize David, he had many promises that he made in his lifetime. Some of them were promises of justice. Remember what he told Goliath as he's looking up at that monster? He basically, I'm paraphrasing here. We don't have time to look at it. He basically said, I'm going to lift your head off your shoulders today, buddy. You are going to provide a buffet for the fowls of the air, for the birds today. That sounds like a pretty grisly promise. That's a promise of justice. Goliath was going to die. He was going to get his. But aren't you glad... David had some balance. He wasn't just all justice all the time. He wasn't just all truth. He was also grace. He was also compassion. And aren't you glad that he had kind promises? Do you see where we might be going? Aren't you glad that the King of Kings, the capital K, King of Kings, which think about this, we're asking and answering the question, how or why Mephibosheth got to sit at the king's table? But let's ask and answer this question, how or why can you, can I sit at the king's table? Well, because the king always keeps his promises. Doesn't that just light you up? Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Oh, his promises have no caveats. He could have looked down through history and seen me with my worries and my warts and my weaknesses and all the reasons I would be unlovely. And he could have added a little asterisk, a little gotcha. For God so loved the world, in parentheses, except Micah. And he could have done the same for you, if we're honest, friend. But aren't you glad that he didn't? Aren't you glad that not only does he keep his promises, aren't you glad he doesn't have caveats to his promises? Uh, you can look at Philippians 4.19, you know it, but I'm also glad that his promises are kind. Yes, our king 
God, Jehovah, he pronounced judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, on the Canaanites, on Tyre and Sidon and Babylon and all these different places. But aren't you glad while he is a God of justice, he also has room for grace? Aren't you glad he has kind promises? Why is it, how is it that you and I get to sit at the king's table? Well, because of the king's promises. But that's not all. Tomorrow on the broadcast, as we hit the midway point of this week, we're going to dive into another couple of reasons why Mephibosheth and why you and I get to sit at the king's table. I hope you'll come along on this journey. I'm Mike McCurry. This has been Bible Tract Echoes. I am so very thankful for each and every one of you tuning in today. My prayer as always is that you have a great day for His glory. We'll plan on talking to you soon. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracts Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 604 a faster way to contact us is to go to our website at bibletracksinc.org. That's bibletracksinc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.